0: You're listening to New Churches Podcast, a production of Send Network on newchurches.com. We discuss all things church planting. If you're looking to take your next step toward multiplication, you're in the right place. Newchurches.com provides relevant and reliable resources for church planters, church multipliers, and disciple makers. Our growing library features pastors, planters, and church leaders like Ed Stetzer, David Platt, Matt Chandler, Trillia Newbell, Christine Hoover, Dehadi Lewis, Trevin Wax, and many others. Hello there. Welcome to the New Churches podcast. My name is Clint Clifton, and today I'm joined by two great friends. I'm with Adam Mutasib and Nathan Knight. Adam grew up in a Muslim family, and he was a follower um, of Islam until he was uh, radically converted uh, to faith in Christ as a teenager. Since believing the gospel, he... Um, has had a consistent vision for church planting, which led him to plant Redemption City Church in Baltimore, Maryland, right downtown. And Adam and Sherry are married. Uh, uh, they were married in 2013, and they have three boys together. And then Nathan Knight's here, too, and he's just down the road at, uh, in Washington, D.C., and he came to faith uh, in Christ and was baptized at age 19, and he went on to earn an MDiv from the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, And after seminary, Nathan began planting Restoration Church in Washington, D.C., the church that he still leads today. In addition to his role of preaching and leadership at Restoration Church, Nathan writes and leads and coaches uh, church planters in the capital region, Nathan and his wife. Um, Andrea live in D.C. with her two boys, and um, I've been working in D.C., as you know, for a long time, and you can't go anywhere in Washington, D.C. that a church planter hasn't been positively influenced by Nathan. So, Nathan, thank you for your investment for such a long time in D.C. Yeah.
1: Amen. Kind thing for you to say, brother. Yeah. Likewise, the same could be said of you, Clint
0: Clifton. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we get started today on our topic, we're going to talk about um, minoring on the majors or getting... Out of sync with the most important priorities in our church planning journey. I want to tell you about though, a new ebook that we've just finished. Um, and we're we're producing uh, books by great thinkers and writers, and we're giving it away for free as well as classes and podcasts and everything we're doing. Um, and so I wanted to tell you about this resource. It's written by Ed Stetzer with Matt Rogers and it's totally free and it's designed to help you build your core team for your new church. Um, it's subtitled models and best practices. So there's um, a number of models of core team design in there, as well as, um, some stories and practices from other churches. So if you're getting ready to recruit a core team for your new church, this, uh, new ebook could be helpful to you. It's available right now and you can download it totally free at newchurches.com. So, guys, we're going to uh, we're going to talk about minoring on the majors. So, um, as I think about this, one of the advantages and and maybe even a disadvantage of being a church planter is you get you get the privilege or the opportunity to totally shape your own schedule. And I don't know about you guys, but for me that was an advantage that I savored. Uh, I had worked for other people long enough uh, to know that I was going to be really glad to be able to set my own priorities. Yes. Um, and uh, did you guys, did you guys look forward to that as well?
1: Same. Yes. It's one of the reasons <laughs> I have to go to, yes. Amen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Adam, you?
2: Oh, hundred percent. I can golf like Monday at 2 PM. It's great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sure that's what you're doing every Monday at two. PA. Probably said
2: that on this podcast.
0: Yeah. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely giving a false impression of what church planning is like. Yeah,
2: I know. I know. Well what done. A different stage, okay.
0: Yeah, if only you had money to go play golf. That's right? right. Exactly. So yeah, but the advantage is we we have we have the you know ability to. To make our own schedules and set our own priorities, and I, I remember telling my wife early on in our church planning process. The it, every, anytime I'm frustrated, I I only have myself to blame. Before I could blame somebody else, I yeah, could say, true. "Well, this person won't let me do this, or yep. this this limitation has prevented right. me." Yeah. Uh, but now I only you have set myself this thing to blame. up. I did actually when I was get, preparing to get married to my wife. I was trying to muster up the courage to go and talk to my father-in-law about having her hand in marriage. And he called me before I got a chance to reach out to him. And, and he asked me to meet him under an oak tree at the church that we both went to. And I thought it was an odd request. And I showed up and like 20 minutes after the phone call, and um, he said, what are your intentions with my daughter? And I said, well, I'd like to marry her. And he said, um, he said, well, is there anything wrong with her? And I said, you don't know, no, she's wonderful. She's, she's great. And he said, would you say she's perfect? And I said, yeah, you know, she is, she's perfect. And he said, I want you to remember that when I gave her to you, she was perfect. So if ah. you don't, like, if you don't <laughs> like her down the road, it's, yeah. it's totally your fault. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like the same could be said for church planting. Yeah. So we do have control over our own schedules. So Adam, what are some of the ways that you guys are seeing church planners misallocate their time when they're beginning the church planning journey?
2: There are a lot of ways. Well, let me first say, I think church planning is a little bit like basketball. Like they're, in basketball, there are a lot of ways to score. You can shoot threes, you can play the post, you can drive. There are a lot of ways to score in church planning and there are different skills. There are some guys who are just star evangelists and they spend of their time evangelizing. And that's great. Some guys are mm-hmm. baller preachers and they spend a lot of the time preaching well, providing good content. That's great. So there are a lot of ways to win and to grow and to, to reach lost people in this. But I think there's some... Some trends I've seen that the way guys are spending time is not producing as much fruit as they would like, which is not leading mm. them to the self-sustainability, which then leads to them oftentimes quitting. Yeah, I think one thing is outside ministry opportunities. I see a lot of guys like starting a podcast, um, taking an outside ministry job, speaking invites that aren't actually developing them or developing their church plant. And mm. too much of that just sucks your energy away from the, the work God has called you to in that, that first three years. So just be faithful for the first three years with where God has you. Say no a lot, focus on your church and your family and don't focus so much on the outside ministry stuff unless it brings life to you. I, think, I just think ongoing commitments are a risk. And then secondly, man, this is the number one thing I see church planters spending time on doing that kills them is doing instead of equipping. Hmm. Doing instead of equipping. Like Ephesians 4.12 is the role of the pastor and minister is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Kind of like uh, in Acts, you know, when the the apostles are like, hey, widows, we ain't feeding you. We're equipping deacons to feed you. And I just see a lot of guys who spend a lot of time hauling the trailer, setting up chairs, doing the work of the ministry, not equipping others to do the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And you should be like laser focused on multiplication and equipping Mm -hmm. leaders at those Mm -hmm. first few years if instead of actually just doing the task of ministry, of course you need to spend some time modeling it and showing how it's done and you're not above it, but if you want the church to grow, you just need to equip.
0: Man, that's great. That's good.
1: That's good. Yeah. And I'd affirm both of those. And and then I'd add that uh, uh, in my experience, planners, uh, planters, they plan too much and they pray too little. Um, So when I talk to people just the, and I ask them about their prayer lives and the work of church planting it just seems to be this kind of thing that is sort of an add-on. It's not main the main substance of their work. And yet when we think about Christ, right, he's regularly, especially those big moments in his ministry, he's pulling back and he's spending lengthy amounts of time in prayer, right? Before his ministry goes public in the wilderness and before he chooses the disciple, he's pulling away. Before the cross, he pulls away and prays. And so, yeah, I think we, we need to plan. We, we should plan. Um, but, you know, Of course, as Proverbs teaches us, like man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. And I need to know those steps. And so, man, I just wish, I think I wish planters would more often be spending more energy, more time in prayer to hear from Christ before they kind of plan him out of stuff.
2: Nathan, I remember reading Tim Keller say, like when he planted his church in New York, his prayer life skyrocketed. And I found the same in my life because you just realize how dependent you
0: are, like
2: how
1: helpless you are.
2: And yes. uh, your prayer life just explodes.
1: I can't do this. I can't do this. Lord, help me. What do I do here? What do I do there? Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's great. Um, if you were to name the top three priorities a church planner has in the beginning of a new church, should have in the beginning of a new church, I'm curious what each of you would name as those highest priorities.
1: All right, I'm going to give four, but I promise they'll be fast. The first one I'd say is just a clear and robust understanding of the gospel. So something beyond two-dimensionality of the gospel, so propitiation, justification, redemption, uh, adoption, these words should be clear so that you can identify false gospels. Two, I'd say, in terms of priorities, man, this is yeah, what a church is and what a church does. If I was starting an ice cream business, I would know what an ice cream business ice cream was and wasn't, right? So what a church is and what a church does. That's got to be clear. Uh, and then third, I'd say, Pastors lead churches. So you need to know what a pastor is and a pastor does. Who's qualified to be a pastor and what do they do? What do they not do? Um, and so who should be leading this thing? So what a pastor is, what a pastor does. And then the goal uh, of church planting. I would want that to be really clear in their minds. And namely, I'm arguing that the goal is to treasure Christ together. That's the, that's the heart of the work. The goal we want to multiply, but multiply is not the goal. I want to multiply. We have multiplied, but that's not the goal. The goal is to treasure Christ together. And so, if we got a clear understanding of the gospel, a clear understanding of what a church is, a clear understanding of what a pastor is, and just the goal, the substance of that life in that church plant is treasuring Christ together, man, they're going to be all right.
2: <laughs> I completely agree in that. I, I talked to a lot of church planners who kind of look like the guy in Shark Tank when, like, you know, Mark Cuban is grilling them about their business and they have no yeah. idea how their business works. And you're just yeah. looking at this guy like, this poor guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, he's trying to get people invested in him, but he doesn't know what he's selling and how his business should be run. And I think there are a lot of church planters who don't have an ecclesiology of like, what exactly yeah. is a church? It's a group of people committed, covenanted together under Christ. And they do all these things. What do they do? I just think mm-hmm. more church planters will be well served to, to yeah. study those things and be able to explain yeah. them clearly. Yeah. Just the basic stuff. Yeah, Yeah.
1: yeah the I,
2: I think that's a great head framework. I, I focus more on hands. Like, what are the three things you should be doing? In those first few years of church planning, what I have is, I'm going to hit this drum again, leadership development. Mm. Um, The idea of multiplying yourself, you should not be doing, you should be training other people to do so that you can multiply, so that you can scale. And uh, you can can get so bogged down in the to-dos that you're not actually multiplying. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would add secondly, like group ministry, just make sure your groups are really healthy. They're, they're practicing Mm -hmm. discipleship. They're practicing evangelism, practicing community. You lead that first group, train someone as you lead it, then pass it off and multiply and then lead another group. And then just keep doing that and make sure those groups are healthy. And if those groups Mm -hmm. are healthy doing life together, you'll find that the life of your church, not just Sunday mornings is vibrant. People are doing meals in each other's homes. They're inviting lost right. people into the, the, the life of the body. Those sorts of things. You've got to make sure that the culture is good there. That's your job. So uh, multiplication group ministry, and then finally, I just think Sunday morning gathering is huge. It's mm-hmm. not everything when you start because the first year it's just it's going to be bad. Just to be honest. It's probably not going to be great. But the uh, I, I
1: played the guitar. Yeah. For like two Sundays, it was terrible. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Did you sing? Did you sing too, though, Nathan? No. Uh,
1: yes. I, I I played guitar and preached in the same Sunday. It was so bad. It was so bad. Yeah.
0: Nathan, you, I did that for years.
1: Did, well, but you're, Clint, you're probably good at it, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I, I was good at one. You can't be good at both things, right? I was, I, I, I was better at singing than I was at preaching. That's <laughs>
1: okay. All
2: right. All right. But the Sunday morning is, is so important. I mean, Clint, you've told me this that like the three things that people look for when they join a church number one is preaching. Number two, I think, is worship. And number three is kids' ministry. And, I mean, one of those all connected to Sunday morning gathering. So you just need to make sure you have a good space, a good – people are being encouraged in the gospel, the people you have, and the people that you want to bring who are lost. And then just music's not distracting and that their kids are safe. Just those things, this they're important if you want to grow and reach self-sustainability.
0: Yeah, Amen. great points, guys. Um, so assuming that the church planter that we're talking to today is relatively new to preaching – um, having preached maybe less than, say, 25 sermons before planting, how much of their 40-hour week, and we both know that most church planters work more than 40 hours, but let's say how much of their 40-hour week should they allocate rightly to sermon preparation?
2: Yeah, I was Adam, about to say, I don't know any church planters working 40 hours a week. yeah. yeah <laughs> just sadly, it's, it's just a reality. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be legalistic here, man. I think each guy's different. You know, I, I, Tony Morita, uh, he wrote a book on preaching. He's like my big brother. He spends like three hours, not because he doesn't care. It's just, he's that good. I mean, it's so frustrating. This guy is like, he looks at the text, writes a sermon, he's done. He can just go up there with his Bible. It's finished. You know, it takes me a little longer, like 10 hours. So it's different for each guy, man. But I would say probably less than you think. I just, that's, I think that's a general rule. You want to spend more of your time evangelizing, just uh, developing leaders. You know, you, you find guys who are like spend twenty hours, and you have guys like my friend Brian Laughlin at Remnant Church in Richmond, Virginia. He's the kind of guy who leads, uh, not through preaching, but through actual leadership, through multiplication, through systems and structures. You have some church planners like that. The primary gifting isn't preaching; it's uh, it's more leadership catalyzing. I think Clint, you've kind of fallen that camp. You're a great preacher, but you're an amazing leader.
0: No, I'm and, I'm, I'm not a great preacher actually, and I and I'm comfortable with that. I I so so much so that. You know, I realized when I recognized there was a, a more fruitful preacher in our congregation and Colby, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to quickly kind of put him in that seat because I always felt a little out of place there. Yeah. Um, I, I Pretty much when I'm in front of people, I just wanted to talk to him about church planting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't helpful, you know.
2: Well, I think that says a lot about your security in the gospel. And it makes you a great church planter because you're willing to do whatever's best for the church. Your ego is not mm-hmm. caught up in it. And yeah. I think there are, there are some guys – like Brian Laughlin who's like, don't focus on your sermons at yeah. all the first three years. I don't think that's a rule for everybody, but I think some guys there's a reality of like there's other more mm-hmm. important things to focus on right now.
1: Yeah. yeah, man, you better be preaching good sermons, man. Yeah, the so Jesus says, John 17, 17, right high priestly prayer, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. So we understand the agent that's going to bring about change, both to uh, bringing from people from lost to saved and from saved to further sanctified. The agent is the Holy Spirit working through the word. And so consequently, I understand uh, Adam, like you were saying, I want to do I want to try to do that Sunday morning experience uh, or not experience, but Sunday morning gathering um, with as much excellence as I could muster. And in particular, I'm thinking about the meal that I'm going to serve these people. This is going to be the most significant meal they're going to get that week, so I want to do it as well as I can. But I do want to go back to what you said, Adam. You're exactly right. I don't. I don't think there's a. I remember Dr. Aiken told us like you got to have 20 hours a week, and so I like forced myself into 20 hours. I don't think you have to do that. I don't think there's a model as such. But I do think you need to spend enough time on the word to where you understand you're taking it with a, a level of of seriousness because you understand this is the thing that the spirit's going to use to bring people to faith in Christ and to build those that are up in Christ. And so good word of advice, I think because you know, your model Clint, that little grid that you have is so helpful to me. The, you know, I, I do think you're spending a lot of time in evangelism and stuff that you're not, that you're not gonna, that, that, that time spent in the early years is going to be different as the time goes on. And so maybe grab in those first years, grab a gospel, grab an epistle, where you don't have to spend as much time. When it says, don't get drunk mm-hmm. on wine, I don't know, like, what, what does that mean? Right, I, I know what that means. So I can, I can spend less time in sermon prep then because the passage is more clear, but I still need to get really, work hard at delivering good sermons.
2: Well, on that point, speaking of Dr. Aiken, I remember my first day at Southeastern Seminary, the first thing Dr. Aiken said to the students, I was an MDiv student, is some of you, uh, God is freed you up and you should get mad yeah. in your class. And yes. to get a C would be a sin. And some yeah. of you have family responsibilities, work responsibilities, other things going on where you'd be faithful to God to get a C in, the, in that yeah. class and it'd be unfaithful to get an A in that class. Yeah. And I think the same is true preaching, depending on your context, your life stage. Some of you should spend 20 hours, and if you're not, you're being unfaithful. Yeah, now, some yeah, of you yeah. should spend five hours, and if you spend more, you're being unfaithful. But yeah, yeah. Nathan's point needs to be faithful to the gospel and the word.
1: Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Right.
0: That's a great point. And Nathan, you brought up the um, spectrum. And, and so let's talk about that a little bit. The listener can't really see this. Um, but it's on um, page at,
1: eight of Church Thresholds. I memorized
0: yeah. it. Okay, great. Yeah. You know page yeah, it is in Church Planning Thresholds on page eight. Uh, <laughs> Nathan's right there. Um, but basically, it's just the simple idea that over time, you're the, your responsibilities in a church plant change in the beginning you're primarily a uh, a missionary and as time goes on you take on more shepherding responsibilities and your responsibility as a missionary goes down some uh, so <clears throat> this continuum or the spectrum the the um, as the church matures and, and the, the person, the planter has more pastoral responsibility. Do you guys think it's helpful for a church planner to uh, expect responsibilities to change over time? Or, or do you think it's more helpful to go out kind of with just a static job description and just, just hit it hard and keep doing the same thing over and over again?
1: Adam, how, how, Adam, how long is your church been in an existence? I think that might give some frame, some of our counsel here. Four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. And have you seen that change? Like in the time, Clint's asking. Definitely. Already. Yeah. yeah definitely yeah we've our church just had our 12th anniversary so um so i've seen that those changes clint uh happen on a number of levels so i was yeah. we were tri-vocational the first year working uh three jobs and, and doing that and so that that dictated a lot of the way i was spending my time whereas now right much more formal you would it would it, it's not a church plant right it just feels like a more and that's that's i now have a hundred and 49 members that need a lot of energy and and attention. And so it's harder for me to give my time to the lost than I did. And that's why that grid I think is helpful to kind of look at the only pushback. So I would say, yeah, the short answer, yes, to Clint, I think is, yeah, time is going to adjust. It's going to be, it's going to look different as the church goes along. But the only thing I would want to say back, I love that grid, but I, I want to understand as I know Clint and Adam, you would agree that a pastor is not. Somehow not on mission, and the mission's not a pastor, right? We can right. we can understand both of those things are true. I better be living on mission and not my pastoral ministry is, is part of the mission. So I don't want to see those two as separate. However, I do recognize my evangelistic uh, um, opportunities in the early days in terms of broad spread. It gets more narrow as time goes on. And so I want to do the most I can in those early days towards the evangelistic push. That's great. It is going to yeah, change.
2: If you want to be a pastor, you should definitely be a pastor just do it at an existing church. But yeah. if you want to plant a church, you need to be catalytic. You need to be a missionary. You need to be Paul in this like in the streets preaching at yeah. synagogues, preaching in this at the uh on the mountains with the temple with the unknown god like Is a planter I, a pastor? Adam, 100%. A planter is a okay, pastor. Make sure. Yes. Yeah, 100%. But <laughs> uh, not all pastors are planters.
1: Hmm, interesting. All right, go
2: ahead. <laughs> Not all pastors are called to plant a church. Yes, that's because, true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That's Not all mean. pastors
1: are planted churches. That's true. Because
2: yes. when you plant a church, especially the first few years, you need to do catalytic work. You need to buy the chairs. You need to fundraise. Yeah. You need to. Like I, I started yeah. a Bible study at Under Armour headquarters to, to get yeah. lost people to around me, so they would go Amen. to our gathering. And so you've got to do those things. But if you're pastoring an existing established church, you're more so keeping things going, caring for the people that are already there. Amen. Uh, but we're trying to take new ground. And yeah, it, that means you got to spend a lot more, allocate a lot more time to take that ground.
0: Yeah. It's so it, much, it, it, go ahead. I think in some ways you have to have the the personality and the makeup for it too. I mean, some, some of us, you know, just are not given to pl- push into ground. That's not already plowed in front of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's, it, uh, when I think about Ephesians four, I always like our, our church is so much healthier now that we have, Folks that are primarily committed to shepherding, pro, folks that are primarily committed to prayer, and the tension that creates uh, among us is sometimes challenging, but it's also it's also beautiful for the church. I mean, it really helps the church be mature across the board um, in a way that it couldn't be otherwise.
2: Exactly. I, I think the, what I would, the way I would put it is the first few years, you should be more focused on multiplying shepherds rather than shepherding. You should be more focused on multiplying more pastors, developing more pastors who can take care of more of the shepherding uh, Mm -hmm. rather than just shepherding. Now, I'm not saying you don't shepherd at all. I'm just saying you need to develop more of you to meet the demand of the more people, lost people that are coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, not all addition in your church plan is addition. Sometimes addition is subtraction. Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. a friend in California plan a church doing, doing great, and there was a church that split right next to him, and some of those members wanted to join his church plant. And he said, you guys need a lot of pastoral care. which you, I, w- I want to give that to you, but we're just probably not the church to do that right now. So I think you should go to this church instead. We're like a missions effort. And I think there's just some reality to that of like, we're trying to get something off the ground. And just realistically, we can't give you all the time and hours you need, which you should get. Just Definitely. I'm not the guy to do it.
0: Yeah, we've uh we've just got a minute left. Let me let me shift over to another topic for a moment. So we've seen a fair number. All of us have seen a fair number of church planters. Even Adam, you've only been at this four years. We've seen a fair number of church planters leave the field, especially in the last couple of years. It's been a tough couple of years of ministry. Um, and I can't help but think when a planter leaves the field, man, if, if that planter would have spent more time on blank, perhaps they wouldn't be facing this transition right now. Um Do do you guys think like that too? Do you think something about the process of giving up on church planting has to do with a misallocation of their energies and attention uh, in their church planting journey?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question, Clint. Yeah, the I I think the right the the reasons for why that happens it it could be so many different regions, right? There could be uh, one of the reasons could be that they you know they did over shepherd. One of the reasons they could happen is because they under-shepherd. One of the reasons they could be is it just the Lord in his infinite prov- providence and wisdom just thought it best for the effort to last five, six, seven, eight months, two years, three years instead of 100 years. Um, and so, you know, Clint, I think you have this in thresholds, too. You talk about this like, the, you know, these churches like the church in Ephesus is not there anymore, at least or, or one of these churches that we read about in the Bible. They're not. So they have their cycles. And so, in, in, in other words, just because something goes south doesn't mean something necessarily went wrong. It might be. Right. It might be. But uh, one reason I think that I think the thing that I see often in DC is guys come here and they didn't do a lot of the hard work of understanding the city. Here I am. I'm the guy that's not known for contextualization and, and I'm going to talk a little <laughs> contextualization here. But, uh, but what, what I mean by that is they don't understand that like, and this would be true of me. I, I wish I had a better understanding at the beginning of how the churn for so much of the population of DC comes in and out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the average member of Restoration Church stays somewhere between two and three years. And so that would have been really helpful to know. And then Things like that, and as well as is not understanding, you know, I see things from, from certain um, church planting organizations that talk about, you know, there's one XYZ church for every lost person. I hate that stuff because the PCA is doing stuff. The Anglican, the healthy Anglicans are doing stuff. A29 is doing stuff. And then they get here and they're like, oh, there's all these churches here. I didn't even know they were here. Yeah. So part of the ways in which the first thing I said was the Lord in his providence has his reasons. It just, because things go South, doesn't mean that yeah. it was bad. But right. secondly, I think one thing that guys just don't do a lot of work. They just assume that a city like DC is just underrepresented because they listen to, to parachurch organizations or the like, and they didn't do the hard work of seeing what life is actually like on the ground.
0: Right. Yeah. Great point. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a stimulating conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff.
0: been listening to the new churches podcast brought to you by send network if you like what you heard take a few minutes to rate and review us or share this episode with a friend it's the best way to show your support to find more reliable resources to start your new church well visit newchurches.com